Hey guys, welcome back to the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill, and we're talking about all things life, confidence, relationships, what gets you up in the morning, what doesn't get you up in the morning. That's what we talk about in this podcast. I'm super glad you're here. If you're the first time tuning in, subscribe to my channel, hit the like button, spread the love, and uh, looking forward to getting into another amazing episode with you guys today. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Confidence Project. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to be speaking with a former client that I just finished up with a few short weeks ago. Uh, Diego was born and raised in Costa Rica. He's got a master's in business uh, and works at a multinational firm. And he and I connected because Diego wanted to get a new perspective on love, relationships, and really understand his avoidant attachment style. Uh, avoidant attachment has been a major theme across many of my clients. And so today, today we're going to catch up, see what Diego was able to learn from this experience and dig into it a little bit further. Diego, welcome. Thank you for being a brave soul and joining me on today's show. How's it all going? Thank you, Kim. Very excited to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited. I love reconnecting. And, and so maybe a really good place for us to get started, Diego, would be to just kind of share a little bit about your story when it comes to dating and relationships. What's your experience been? Yes. Um, well, I came to you because uh, I've been having trouble finding what is a good relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So I started dating a long time ago. I'm 30 years old, 30 years old. So I've been dating for a while. And my first uh, girlfriends were very nice, very open. I had great relationships. They ended for one thing or another, but um, recently uh, I started using Tinder and Bumble and different apps and the type of people I've been dating have not been the best ones, I would would like to say. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I've been seeing is that I have an avoidance style, right, of, of attachment, and that is causing me when I date to either become anxious sometimes when I have another avoidant personality in front of me, mm-hmm. or when someone is very close to me, I start finding excuses not to get close and things like that. Yeah. And what has caused me trouble is that I've been through some toxic relationships and I was never able to really identify what was the deal breaker and what was me being avoidant. So that right. was one of the reasons I came to you to understand a little bit, a little bit more about that attachment style that I have. Yeah. And I want to unpack that a little bit as well. But I, I remember when you, uh, when we started uh, our sessions together, I read that coaching intake form that I had sent you, you mentioned in there that you had really high standards and checklists for the women you were dating. Uh, and I'm curious, Diego, what do you think brought this on for you? I mean, where did you get the idea that you should be having a checklist that you should be kind of comparing these women that you're dating to? Oh, so I think I once saw a TEDx of a woman saying that you should always have a checklist and know very well what you want from another person. And if they're not following your checklist, then you should not be dating that person, right? Right. And I found it interesting. So I started kind of creating my checklist, but I think I took a little bit too far in some Mm. senses. Mm-hmm. because I started creating like a perfect woman that probably yeah. doesn't exist, right? So 
I think that with you, what the approach that we did differently was understanding my values, understanding mm -hmm. what it is that really um, is my personality, my personality or values that don't change so much. And how do those values um, translate into a woman I would like to date? So that's kind of the perspective we changed a little bit. Yeah, you're right. So instead of just looking at a list of things that we're hoping to see in a partner, which could be things that we actually really realize that aren't that important to us, we really change that to say what you're really looking for from someone is someone who is very much in alignment and compatible with the highest levels of importance for you, which are our values. Uh, and so I don't think we ever went through this on any of our calls together, but has this list in your mind then gotten shorter? Has it become more realistic for you now when you approach the idea of who is compatible for you? Well, definitely. Um, <laughs> I, ha I have certain things that are not um, breakable, right? Mm -hmm. So when I see these things, I immediately now just go, go a step back. Like, yeah. For example, one of the things that uh, I realized is I want to be with someone who is, um, well, attracted to me and wants to go out with me, right? Yeah. So when I start talking to someone new and I don't see them uh, excited to go out or they put excuses too much, I, I, don't, I don't insist too much, right? Because mm -hmm. the first date should go, should, you probably have to insist on the first date, right? But if mm -hmm. you go on the first date and then that, it's hard to get that second one. It's probably they have an avoidance style as well, or um, there wasn't much enough click to yeah. get that second date, right? So not, not forcing things, I think it's very important as well. Yeah, I think there's a really fine balance there, right? It's like, okay, maybe they're nervous or, or, or maybe they are genuinely busy that next week. So we want to give some effort if we are interested in them to try and line up a second or third meeting. But you're absolutely right. If the other person that you are, courting or trying to get that second date with is completely emotionally unavailable is making excuse after excuse after excuse um, then do not waste your time uh, and move on because you want to be absolutely attracting someone who also is willing to put in the effort to get to know you so uh, you're totally spot on there so when, when did you realize uh, that you wore an avoidant attachment style because Diego, I, it's amazing how much this is coming up in my practice just over the last uh, couple of weeks, the amount of people reaching out saying, I'm avoidant, I really want to date. Uh, when did you even first become aware of this concept of being an avoidant attachment? Yes, yeah, so I, I dived, in, dived deep into a book called Attached, right, to understand the yeah. different attachment styles. Yeah. And when I read the... Um, attachment, sorry, the avoidant attachment, I saw everything that people did to create that um, distance for, with the current partner, mm -hmm. I realized this is describing me. And one of the biggest ones was the Phantom X, right? Yep. So I realized that every time I started dating someone and I started, you know, getting to get to know that person, I was reminded of my ex, mm. right? Were and you when comparing I them to your ex-girlfriend? Yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that for me was like, oh, an eye opener. I usually do this. And when I used to date this girlfriend, I was also thinking about someone else in a moment when I was getting too attached. So I'm like, oh, so this is my defense mechanism. This is what mm -hmm. I usually do when I'm getting closer. Yeah. And that was a big eye opener for me and saying, okay, Diego, you have to uh, be more comfortable. When that happens, you have to like 
find a trigger, something's triggering you, that means that you're getting close to someone. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting that that process of understanding yourself. Yeah, to have that awareness as well, because those are the uncomfortable parts of ourselves that we either address or we never address, right? And certainly I know the avoidant attachment, the phantom X is, is definitely part of it. It so is, um, you know, looking for excuses not to see the person. Um, and as soon as you become that kind of, you see that vulnerability forming within yourself, i.e. there's a little bit of attachment or closeness there. Uh, it's also, you know, finding things about the person that you can focus on that are negative, that give you that excuse or reason to walk away from that relationship as well. Um, and and yeah. I find it a little bit sarcastic, the, the thought of, okay, if I'm thinking about an ex, that means it didn't work out. So mm. why should you put in a pedestal something that didn't work out, right? So mm. <laughs> it's kind of... A, yeah, right. Like, why are you glamorizing an ex-partner when they're an ex-partner for a reason, right? Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people do that. And and often if you're avoided and you're avoiding a lot of relationships, sometimes you're looking back at a past relationship and regretting that you walked away because the uncomfortable truth that people do have to face that go from failed relationship to failed relationship to failed relationship and know that they are a little bit avoidant also have to deal with the hard truth that they could have walked away from someone who was very compatible for them. And that's a really difficult pill to swallow. And that's something I never want to do, I I, I would say again, Mm -hmm. um, in the sense that I would put as much effort as I can to a relationship before ending it, right? Yeah. Uh, Until I say, okay, no, definitely, you may have lots of chemistry, but if you're not compatible, you're not compatible. If you tried, you Mm -hmm. tried, right? And I don't want to have another phantom X in my head saying, okay, I did not try enough, mm-hmm. right? But with, with measure, right? Or with, with, with our exercises of finding my deal breakers or what are my values, I think um, that gives me confidence to really know, okay, I'm, I'm going to invest in this relationship, yes or no. I think that's, yeah. that's very helpful. Yeah, that's good. And I know we went through understanding a lot of different things, you know, what you're looking for in a partner from the quality side of things, what your red flags were, i.e. what you're deal breakers are and what the avoidance strategies are, your relationship needs. Uh, We talked and covered different types of communication and validating our partner's emotions. Uh, We really unpacked quite a lot of information during our time together. What do you think stood out the most for you, Diego? Oh, so I think the deal breakers were very important for me, Mm -hmm. right? Because... When I, when I look at my past relationships, there were kind of lots of things that I would have said right now. How did I allow that to happen? Right? Mm-hmm. Or why didn't I raise my hand? And mm. simple things like I dated someone once that um, was getting mad at me because I was not constantly serving her wine. I'm like, I'm not, I can't read your mind. <laughs> right? Okay. And she would get mad at me saying, why are you not serving me wine? I'm like, uh, because. Give her the bottle, Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And those type of things, like at the moment, I don't know how to react because Mm -hmm. it has never happened to me. But then when I state these kind of things and I started saying, okay, this is a controlling behavior. I need to watch out for these controlling behaviors that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And if I catch them, I have to raise my hand and say, hey, I don't like that you do this. And I'll please ask you to either stop or change your approach or be more direct. And if if she doesn't accept it, then 
that's part of our compatibility, right? You might have lots of chemistry, but if you don't click on that kind of um, behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to call them out or walk away. You are so, 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 so right in this. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that both women and men make when they're dating individuals is ignoring behaviors that are not that are definitely deal breakers or red flags, right? We ignore these subtle behaviors because we, we think they'll change or we'll make excuses for the other person, right? They're really stressed right now at work or something's going on for them. That's why she's demanding I pour her wine or whatever it might be. And we often can convince ourselves to stay or not address it because we'll rationalize and make an excuse for the other person. But it's so, so important to be able to speak our mind to be able to boldly go into conflict right to be assertive and to really have those strong boundaries because if in the beginning of a relationship we tolerate poor behavior then we are the ones that are setting the standard for how we are able to be treated by that person so it's really important that even early on despite the discomfort we stand up for ourselves in these situations Definitely, definitely. And, and um, there are things, I don't want to put too many examples, but one, one day I went out with this girl who uh, every time I talk with my family, she would get mad. She says she would, she would get mad of me talking with my family because I shared too much with them. Like, that's a strong value for me. I, I want to be mm-hmm. with my family. I share with the thing, with things with them. I want her to share with them, right? So uh, you have to really watch out for these things uh, for the long run. And yeah. I think it's if they don't change, you have to either change with them or walk away, as I said. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really important. Your examples are really helpful for people listening because everyone is going to resonate with something slightly different. And you're right. If you are dating somebody that is trying to slowly isolate you away from friends and family, that is a huge red flag. And the thing is, is that we don't necessarily notice it right away. We think that, oh, they just really want to spend time with us or, oh, they're uncomfortable because I said this or I did that, or, oh, they don't really hit it off with my other friend. But this is why it's really important to slow dating down and really get to know the person over time, uh, because that's when we really get to see the, the, the truth of who somebody is, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And setting the boundaries from the beginning, I think it's, it's crucial, right? Uh, yeah. It's not, um, well, one, one of my long-term girlfriends once said to me, uh, Diego, but remember, when we get married, you cannot go to the beach with your friends. What? So, <laughs> so those kinds of things was like, whoa, one second, you know? Um, well, we ain't ever getting married then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so those are things that you have to either spot, come, uh, in conversation at the moment and say hey my boundary is even if one day we get married i still want to go out with my friends to the beach mm-hmm. uh, you should trust me on that I'm, I'm a very open person i would i will not be unfaithful or anything just trust me yeah. so uh, those type of things are very important from the beginning to set them clear yeah you're totally right and the thing is how do we get that clarity we get that clarity by actually sitting down and doing some of like the exercises that we did where we're really writing out what's important and we're seeing examples and we're getting that clarity for ourselves because you know understanding what our deal breakers are and boundary setting is is important to have that awareness and there's 
either you do that with coaching or you find, you know, self-guided ways to do it. Um, it's just important to get around to it at some point. Uh, I know you, you took, you know, you're an avid reader. Um, one of the books that we talked about during our time together was a shorter book called the five love languages. And I know that this was a really important element of our time together because there was some clarity that was needed around the difference between what is healthy love versus what is avoidant or anxious attachment being activated or infatuation. And so when you read the book, the five love languages, what shifted for you after reading this? I think that my biggest takeaway with that book is the concept of the love tank, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this love tank that either is filled or it's not filled, right? And when you're in a long-term relationship where you start dating, that love tank usually shifts. It starts going down. Like in the beginning, everything is butterflies. You're super happy. Your love tank is very full. Everything mm -hmm. is yeah, almost perfect, right? Mm -hmm. But then things start happening. Uh, that glow starts going down. And then you get in a fight. And then your love tank starts going down. It starts going down, right? And understanding the love languages of yourself and of others, right, of, of your partner, really helps that bring that love tank up, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I started realizing uh, with, with girls I've been dating of, okay, when I actually like gifts, right? Mm -hmm. So I started giving that person, uh, my dates, lots of gifts. And I realized, oh, I like to receive gifts as well, right? Mm -hmm. And when a date gave me a gift, my love tank went really high, like, wow, mm -hmm. she gave me a chocolate. I'm so happy, right? <laughs> so, so that's when I started realizing, okay, it's very important to have uh, understand what's your your love language understand what's a love tank right yeah. and how it starts filling up over time and going down over time right so yeah. I really enjoy that and actually uh, a close friend of mine came to me a couple of weeks ago saying that she had a fight with with what with her, uh, her boyfriend right mm -hmm. and she told me about it and I'm like oh what I'm seeing here is that you have your love tank low and I started explaining what I just said to you look at you just, go coach Diego <laughs> I started coaching her right and, and she started crying actually saying oh you're too true I need to find his love language I have to put more effort on this mm -hmm. and uh so I think it resonates with lots of people I would really recommend that book and, and everything yeah. that it teaches yeah you're right it's, it's 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 learning to speak the language of love and not everybody is going to feel loved in the same way. And that's because we all had different childhoods, because we all have different beliefs on what love is or what it looks like. Some people really need to be, you know, touched by the person they're with in order to feel the energy of love. And that's what's going to fill their tank. Um, you know, some people maybe aren't as touchy-feely you know, and they need to have the quality time with that person, or they need to be told in words that they're loved and that they're appreciated. Um, and I think that everybody should experience all of the love languages, right? I think that even someone who's averse to physical touch over time, I think that's, it's something that we all need to be touched and held as humans. Um, but it's so important in any relationship to understand how your partner feels love and to make the effort to give it to them in the way that they understand it. Right. And I, I have a client that I've been working with for a while. He's married. He's been in a relationship for quite, some, I mean, we're talking 20 years, right? 
He has never understood his wife's love language. And he's come to me and he says to me, Diego, he goes, I don't understand why, you know, things aren't feeling very connected with us. And after working with him for a while, I said, well, how does your wife feel loved by you? And he went, well, she likes when I do nice things around the house for her acts of service. And she really loves spending quality time with me. And I said, well, how much quality time are you really giving her? And he goes, well, I have a really busy job. I'm working late all the time, you know, so I do those little things around the house for her, but I can't remember the last time we went on a date and I went bingo. What you need to do is figure out how you can carve the time out and make your wife and relationship a priority so you can give her love in the way that it makes sense for her. And I said, do this experiment for one month where you don't expect anything in return. You just fill her love tank over and over and over again that month. And I said, when we meet next, I want you to tell me what your experience is like. <laughs> and you how did can, it go? You can, everyone here can imagine what the outcome is going to be, right? Is he starting to get love from his wife in the way that he wants it as well, right? More yeah. physical touch now because she's also feeling really loved and now she has, it's overflowing for her, right? So it's so important to understand. I think it's a, you know, it's a basic read for anybody out there to pick up. It's not enough to just do the quiz, right? I think a lot of people are familiar with the quiz. Oh, I know my love languages have taken the quiz. Read the book. You're going to have a fully different understanding of, of what it means after actually spending the time listening to it on audiobook or reading it. I totally agree. And um, the, the concept of the love tank and, and how it goes down over time, like I see it in other couples and I wish like, I want to just throw them the book at them saying, hey, read this, read this. Right, well, so maybe you should, right? Maybe, <laughs> well, you know, you like giving gifts to people. So maybe your gift is the gift of the book, right? That's true. That's true. Yes. Next birthday. So all my friends are going to expect a new book. <laughs> Perfect. Why not? Right? Like imagine if they read it and it really fundamentally changed how they see things. And, and that's not the only thing that's important in relationships, right? That is one major part. And then so is understanding conflict resolution and better ways to communicate. And one of the things we talked about, I know was uh, like the emotional validation of our partner's feelings right? There was something that you and I talked about where, you know, your go-to mentality would be to jump in and solve the problem for the person that you're spending time with. So I'm challenging you. How has it been going since we spoke about that when it comes to using the emotional validation tools instead of trying to solve someone's problem? <laughs> so I've going? been using it. I'm yeah? using it everywhere. Like with really? my friends. Yes. With my family. Um, I realized that sometimes I just want to vent. Yeah. And I usually vent with people who validate my feeling, feelings mm -hmm. rather than telling me something like, oh, yeah, you're complaining too much or, or you should do this differently. Yeah. So I was feeling it as well, right, with my friends. And I realized, oh, I'll go to my friends that listen to me more mm -hmm. rather than they give me advice without asking, right? Yeah. So I started doing that with my friends and I realized that they're, they're opening up more with me, right? So uh, I just tell them, oh, I understand that is so tough. Um, tell me more or what mm -hmm. can I do instead of saying, okay, this is, this is something that uh, yeah. or give you another advice, right? And yeah. I usually find that when I say, um, what can I do for you? And the answer is usually, hey, give me advice or, or what would you do differently? Yeah. And that's when they're more open to, to just hearing an advice or they might even say, I just want to vent. 
okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm happy to hear you vent. Yeah, you're right. When we ask permission or we check in with the person, how can I support you right now? Oh, I just need you to listen to me. Great. I can do that. That's easy, right? I'm going to actively listen to you. Or you say, you know, what can I do? And they go, I don't know. I'm really stuck here on this problem. What would you do? Then they're giving you permission to give them advice and they're much more likely to take it than when you give them unsolicited advice. And this, like what we talked about, you're totally right to say like, this is not just intimate relationships. This is every relationship we have. And it's a tool that a lot of us don't understand because men's brains are very hardwired to be like problem solvers and fixers, right? And women are very emotional. So often if a woman is coming to a man and, and stressing or venting, he just wants to make her feel better. He wants to, to fix her problem. So he'll dive right into solution mode. And she's frustrated with him because she just wants to be held and heard, right? So that, that mismatch doesn't need to happen anymore when we learn to meet our partner where they are, right? Yes, um, and, I, and I find that with, with a partner, it's better to ask more questions rather than give more advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect way to say it, right? Ask more questions, be curious. I tell people all the time, you know, put that baseball cap on and the imaginary cap that is the curious cap, right? When someone is, is sharing something with you, ask those open-ended questions to really, to really make them feel like you're listening and you're uh, deeply interested in what they have to say. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes the questions can come with kind of an insight, right? Mm -hmm. And that might even create an insight for that person, right? You don't have to um, tell him the answer or her the answer. You can kind of guide them through as well, right? Yeah. Not, not well, pressuring them. Very, very coach-like approach. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love I'm learning it. from the best. <laughs> oh, that's low. You're too kind. Uh, there is so much that, you know, we can unpack. I just, I love going through all of this with you. I can't believe we've been chatting already for half an hour on this subject. It's so, so easy to just breeze through these conversations. So uh, what else do you, do you have? What other thoughts are going on for you as we kind of wrap this up? We've talked so much already about your, your dating story, avoidance here. Uh, you know, this idea of a checklist, uh, you know, really understanding red flags and deal breakers. Uh, so we know how to set our boundaries and move forward. The love languages and how to fill the tank. Uh, we talked about, you know, genuine love. What else is, is coming up for you as we're, we're rehashing everything that you've gone through? So one, one of the things that I still have to work on, right, and really understand is what are my wants and what are my needs? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think this concept, we, we touched, it, touched it a lot. Right. Um, for example, what are my needs for attention? How much time do I need? If, if um, something goes wrong, what, what do I need from that person? Right. Mm -hmm. Or when I'm happy, what do I need? Right. So and versus what I want, because sometimes what I want, it, it can get it from somewhere else, not from my relationship. Yeah, 100 percent. Right? Yeah. Sometimes we can get it from ourselves. In fact, a lot of the time we can self-regulate or self-soothe, right? Yes, yes. And if you have needs that only a partner can fulfill, then you have to step back. I think that's for me. I have to step back and say, okay, am, am I being, am I healthy right now to be in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Because my needs, I should be able to cover, cover them myself. But there's some very specific needs from a relationship that um, are, are necessary. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. It may be, um, going well with my family, or maybe that's not that so that important, right? But mm -hmm. uh, there, there's some needs that I have to start defining 
um, when I start dating someone, right? I, it can yeah. be more flexible depending on the person, but mm-hmm. it's something I have to really look into. Yeah, for sure. For example, the need to be respected or admired by our partners. And that does not mean that every day we need 15 messages or a dozen roses mm-hmm. with that appreciation, but to know that overall, that's the sense that we're getting from someone. Or a need could be that when we're starting to date somebody new, we also need personal time. So how do I ask for that from the person that I'm with? Because it's really important that I maintain my sense of identity and the things that make me feel good. So yeah, there's so much that we could unpack here and it's a perfect spot on topic for all of this stuff, but I absolutely want to thank you for just, you know, braving your soul and coming on here, right. And, and allowing us to really explore the work that we did together, being super open and transparent with all of it. I know that there are going to be people listening that are nodding their head up and down saying, I feel like my story is similar to Diego's, right? Because this is something that is really common for everybody. We don't get taught these types of things. We don't get coached or learn what a healthy relationship is and how to actually find that and get in one. So it's just fascinating that, you know, we can go through this and, and, and just having you on here has been such a joy. So uh, Diego, are you open to people reaching out to you? What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I'm open. If anyone wants to talk about my experience, about working with you around anything, um, they can come and talk to me. I'm very happy to to help out anyone that needs it. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show again. Just thank you so much for just bearing it all and and being so courageous to come on today. Uh, To those that are listening, if something here has resonated with you, share it with someone that needs to hear it, right? Even if it's not clicking for you, it might be clicking for someone else. Uh, Drop a comment, Uh, obviously rate the podcast if you enjoyed it. Uh, And of course, if you want to chat with myself or Diego, I'll leave some links on how to reach out to us uh, in this episode today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Ciao.